Hey, you guys, just wanted to let you know, this show's funded by our patrons. It's true. We are not under the, the umbrella of the man. Nope, not yet. We haven't signed our souls, and Brad and I work fairly hard putting out this <laughs> podcast and making it good. And uh, it would be really nice if you could support. If you enjoyed this podcast or have enjoyed previous podcasts or are planning on enjoying the one coming up, <laughs> maybe visit yeah. our Patreon. Yeah, we have what on there? We got extra content. We got video. We got some writing. We have our uh, Thursday fireside chat only available to the patrons. Brad cracks an IPA and <laughs> maybe many IPAs and tells old stories about Mick Jones and cool stuff like that. If you have the money and you have the time, please support the program. We would appreciate it. Patreon.com slash going off track. Go check it out. Thelonious. I've said that word a lot too. Have you? I have. I've like many times said something kidding with someone about the Thelonious tones of my voice, but I've never confirmed if Thelonious Monk. I'm not going to look it up. Made up this word or not? I'm going to let you have it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm looking it up. Let's see. Thelonious. Oh, the first thing that comes up is Thelonious Monk. <laughs> <laughs> not a real word. It's a given name. Okay. It's an actual name. It's someone's name. Thelonious. That you're, using, that you're using as an adjective. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Huh. And he didn't even sing. And there's your <laughs> lesson for the day. He was just a piano player. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thelonious, not a word. And if it is, make sure you capitalize it. What's going on, Brad? Who knows? You could make it a word, though. I mean, isn't that how it works? You can make whatever the fuck you want a word. Just as you know? long as enough people pick up on it. Listen, bro. I haven't lived 40 years in America. If I can't make up my own words, that's freedom. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's Absolutely. what it's all about, Brad. And no one can take that away from me. You know? You can totally. pry new words out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> wow, you can really use that for anything and make those people seem stupid. America. America, yeah. those people, Benny. Oh, jeez, jeez, <laughs> not diplomatic, not diplomatic oh, no. at all. No, fuck those people. That's what I'm saying. No, stop it. <laughs> we're supposed to be bringing people together, Brad. Uh, when you were like walking through rural Massachusetts in the 70s, where <laughs> were you? Like, I mean, where does this come from? Were you getting like pelted with rocks by like? Like trashers riding around in pickup trucks and stuff? Oh, no. In middle school, those were all my bros, dude. <laughs> so you were, you were one? Yeah, absolutely. My best friend had lived in a trailer. Okay. What's his vibe? He joined the army and I don't know. Maybe he's listening. What's up, Kay? <laughs> yeah, what up, Kay? Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I got to like... I got to the point when I was like in 10th grade and I, uh, I didn't want to go to college. I had no, I didn't think I wanted to go to college, but I realized that I was not going to have the option. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. And I kind of like turned it around, kind of dropped my old friends. Now and, uh, that's kind of interesting though, since your dad 
is a biblical archaeologist. Oh, there's three or four. There may be four doctor's degrees in my house. There's at least wow. three. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. did have another path available to you <laughs> in the home. <laughs> well, I mean, I had guidance, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a very <laughs> similar experience with going to college. Like, towards the end of high school, I was like, nah, like, it's just not for me. I'm playing music. I'm doing shows. Like, that's my vibe, you know? And mm. I had already moved out of my mom's, like, before I graduated when I was 17. And I was working a couple jobs, but one of the ones I was working was at a place called the Super Saver Liquor Locker, which is one of those <laughs> big, like, liquor warehouse type places. It was on Route 22 in Somerville, right behind this big apartment complex that had a lot of local drunkies. And it, it was a ripper of a place. I worked there for a long Sounds time. Like the it. job wasn't that bad, but I had some pretty awful managers. I don't know if you can imagine what a mid-level liquor store <laughs> manager is like at those times, but they're not happy with their <laughs> lives usually. And the, right. you know, 17, 18 year old, like ragamuffins they have working in the back, giving them shit usually doesn't go so well. And <laughs> I'm looking down one night, I'm on literally, I had just stacked maybe I'm like seven or eight feet in the air stacked on uh, bud uh, can cases. And I'm sitting okay. up there. I kind of just finished and I'm like, all right, I'm going to chill out for a sec. And I look down at this guy. I never forget. His name was Steve. And I just saw him all angry and old and like not doing what he wanted. And I had this like revelation. I was like, oh no, like if I don't go to school, I'm going to be Steve. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this isn't good. I'm either going to be Steve or I'm going to be like ponytail man who works at the deli, who still plays in bands when he's like yeah. 45 and he's still giving you flyers. I'm like, so one way or the other, I don't like the way this is panning out. And that's when I literally signed up for like financial aid and started going to community college. I, I yeah. found out it didn't work for me, but I'll never forget Steve at the, at the uh, Super Saver Liquor Locker, teaching me this life lesson by default, you know? Put you on the path. I mean, I might have not gone except, you know, I was in a small town and I didn't know how to get out except that I knew that, like, all my idols had gone to, or most of them had gone to art school, you know? Like, I think Joe wow. Strummer and, like, hmm. yeah, like, a lot of the, a lot of musicians had kind of met in art school, at least according to what I was reading and whatever in, in, in the Bauhaus monthly to, or whatever. I was trying to think of like what a good 70s. You <laughs> <laughs> reading 80s rag. What yeah, I was yeah. reading in Cream magazine. <laughs> well, man, all of this uh, leads to Josh Gondelman coming off as a, a highly educated fellow. You know, he talks and I'm just like, man, I'm just like, I want to listen to you. You seem smart and and fuck i was like 10 minutes into the research for this interview and i'm like you know what i can't wait to talk to this guy yeah yeah yeah. i'm like Absolutely. he seems so bright and so vibrant and you know and i know i've made the mistake a couple times already on the podcast and i haven't even told you about this <laughs> where i finish an interview and i kind of think i made a new friend <laughs> you know, because it feels yeah. like such a good conversation. Right, so right. like, you know, like intimate and like we're talking about like your family and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, we're friends now. And then I'll like <laughs> write a follow up email and I'm like, 
oh, oh we're not friends. I'm like, I forget. <laughs> but Josh, another one. I walked away from this. I'm like, hey, you want to go to a basketball game with me? Like, I want to be your friend. You seem so nice. You know, I need nice friends like him. He said it sounds like fun. I think you. I think you may be going to a game with him. Yeah, once. but he's so nice. He would never just be like. Oh, that's right. He would never. He would never go like. Listen, man, you're overstepping your bounds. <laughs> you crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, like that's not happening. So we'll see, Josh. If you're listening, the offer is on the table to come to a Nets game with me, but. F- Feel no pressure. I know you have very famous friends. You probably go sit courtside with Jesus and Mero. You don't need my seats, <laughs> but but the invitation is open, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I didn't really think about that fact that he is just too nice to say no. Probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He would never tell, <laughs> never tell me in my face. Well, Josh, you, you hit me up, okay? Just let me know. I won't be offended either way, okay? <laughs> Should we get into it? Let's listen. I got to be honest, doing research on you, I felt an automatic kinship to you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Because I've always been known as a really nice, friendly Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. Just like you. Same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and, and even doing, there is one thing in doing research for you that really struck a chord with me that I was like, wow, this dude might be a lot like me. And it was when you were talking about growing up with encyclopedias. Oh, yeah. Where just <laughs> like, sure. like you had to have the set. But the yep. thing I hadn't thought about was the fact that like, oh, right. This is like the books that like seven old white men 200 years ago wanted everyone to know. For sure. And this was like, I had a set when I was in like elementary school. Right. What we had in my home was like a set from like the 50s or 60s. Um, And, I, you know, I grew up in... Like the, this is the '90s when I would have been like a kid, but doing research projects with these encyclopedias. So I'd be like, "Dad, um, what's this about a Soviet Union?" <laughs> Just like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it says, man not has not yet not yet landed upon the moon. <laughs> it's like, well, that's a different argument now. <laughs> like, Dad, I need to know about the song "Wind of Change." <laughs> Come on, it's not in here, man. According to the yeah, according to the encyclopedia, that song doesn't exist. The band doesn't exist. Right. The, the Scorpions was it? It was the Scorpions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a uh, a Trivial Pursuit set when I was a kid that was very similar. It was not only from like the 1950s; it was some Canadian <laughs> version. Oh, so <laughs> that's so tough. We had to set. We literally had to set a new set of rules that if it was like a pre 1980s Canadian question, like discarded. Yeah, like this man hosted the CBC's tenth right. rated news broadcast yeah. from nineteen seventy to exactly. nineteen seventy-four. And it's exactly. like, no. We can't. <laughs> I we shan't. Can't. This is not nice. I'm I'm forbidden from playing Trivial Pursuit. <gasps> My wife forbid me. Why? Do you I, get too mad? Because I, I, I there was a few family games like with with one of our parents, I can't remember which, that like I, I completely lost my shit because I was like, that's not the right answer. It was something, I think it was like a technical thing. Like you would love this too. It was probably some like technical, like scientific, right. I don't know. But I was like, I was absolutely confident it was the wrong answer. On the I part. know for certain it's 2.4 <laughs> megahertz. Yeah. <laughs> I know I it. it. That's so, so I'm funny. Not to play. Wow, not Brad, I'm going to use that against you. The fact that you think you know more than the encyclopedia. <laughs> Anytime I argue with you. <laughs> We've been rewatching um 
Seinfeld the last few months, like from Ooh, the beginning. Wow. We're, we're, we're in season nine now, but that the moops, uh, trivial <laughs> pursuit, was like, it says the moops. It's like, <laughs> such a, it's like, yeah, I can, like, at my worst when I'm like not feeling confident or happy, I, when I watch George Costanza, I'm like, yeah, that's what a person should do. And then when I'm in like a good headspace, I'm like, that's the worst. That is, those are the worst uh, impulses right. a human being could have. Yeah. Is that the magic of Seinfeld? Cause that's actually something I wanted to ask you about was that I've never been, I love Seinfeld. I think it's wildly entertaining and funny, but I've never really been able to understand what was the universal principle of Seinfeld that brought people in who aren't from New York or aren't Jewish. Aren't Jewish, right. My friend Allison Leiby, who's a really, really funny comedian and writer, we've been talking because I've been rewatching the whole thing and she's a huge Seinfeld fan and about how even though Jerry is the only like <laughs> canonically Jewish main character, like right. the yeah, Costanzas yeah. are Jewish. Like Elaine is yeah. like... Right. Kind of tracks as Jewish. And, yeah. But so, like, it feels so Jewish, but they like, they're like, oh no, George is Italian. And his, but it's like, no, he's Larry David. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah, that's true. So, what do you think it is? What's like the, you know, as someone who writes comedy, what, what's, what's the meat inside of there that's actually like drawing your, you know, person from the middle of Kansas who maybe's never met a Jew? Like, what's actually bringing them in? I think it's how picky they get with stuff, like how close they zoom in, because they're not like, oh, you know, Jewish references. Like, uh, you know, I right. like I've done um, enough synagogue gigs in my time, not to brag about doing stand up in synagogues, but I've done enough that like <laughs> there's some like you can kind of ease your way into it with some like general like not even jokes, just like uh, like winking references to stuff. And I think Seinfeld doesn't do that. Right. They just zoom way in and they're like, you know when someone talks okay. too quiet and you hate it? You know what I mean? And they just like, even stuff that like has never happened ever, they treat it like it's this phenomenon yeah. that is like, could happen to anyone at any time. Like you could meet someone sure. at any time who just like is naked all the time. And it, like when opening <laughs> jars and sanding the floor and it's like, that's nobody, <laughs> but there's like a kernel of that where you're like, yeah, it is weird. Like I did have that one roommate who would like, they would vacuum right. naked and like, what the hell? <laughs> right. Well, okay. And that's the thing when you are a New Yorker, like it doesn't take you long to realize that they didn't have to write anything. You know, <laughs> like they literally didn't have to write. Like you wouldn't have to make up anything. Like all of that stuff has happened to me and crazier. Yes, you know? it's so wacky. And then just like <laughs> tightening it up and like uh, you know polishing it and showcasing it in a TV friendly way. But yeah, I agree. There's like I, it, the the most New York thing about it to me isn't like the any specific neighborhood or any specific like right. the subway stuff. It, it's the idea of like. You just want to like meet up with your friends and see a movie or you just want to go to the diner and everyone you meet on your way there is annoying <laughs> or insane. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. just like, how is this? What does this person do? Do you ever have this feeling where you meet a person and, and they're just so unreasonable that you're like, what are you like the rest of the time? How do you subsist in this world? Right. Like not, and I don't mean that in like, in terms of like, a person who is living with mental illness, right? Like, I don't right. mean like, oh, a yeah. homeless person. I mean, like, you meet a guy and, and you're like, hey, can I can I uh, walk around you to get to this bag of chips? And he's like, I 
I'm looking at those chips. And you're like, (laughs) you took it to 15 out of 10 over me saying, please, can I get past you to look at these chips? Right. Like, what do you, like, who, sometime today you're going to punch someone. Yeah. This is clearly not about the chips, friend. Can we talk? This isn't about me. This isn't about this interaction. (laughs) And this is not, I'm not the only person you're going to yell at today. Right. Well, that's the thing in New York. Like when you're around there, and I don't think I truly notice until I like go on tour or do something that, you know, takes me away from the tri-state area long enough to know that the chip thing, that's like an accumulation of right. weeks and weeks and weeks of muckiness just to do mm-hmm. the simplest task. Like, like you yep. own a dog in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't every yes. time you leave the house to walk your dog, it's just, it's an adventure. You never know. Yes. You never know what's yeah. going to happen, right? Right. Some weird person is going to be weird at you or like there's going to be some like thing on the ground. You're going to be like, oh, why is there like uh like a cat skeleton on the sidewalk? <laughs> don't eat that. Just like, yeah. yeah, just don't eat one. You're not, the bones will get stuck. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, I know this is your natural enemy, <laughs> but it's, yeah, that's like, I truly feel like the, and and my life is so generally like, pleasant and gentle like my experience of new york city at this point in my life is like uh, my my wife and i have like a, a apartment where we have this little office space so we're not you know when we're both working from home we're not on top of one another we um live close to the subway it's like we we're we're not struggling financially at this moment so like all this stuff is like i i'm so lucky to have that but all that said there's just like the idea of like okay i need to like get a new chair and it's a place that's like 10 blocks away and it I don't have a car and so like everything becomes like this this right. intricate problem solving of like do I take a lift there and then have them wait while I get the chair and then take it back or do I like call the lift when I get the chair like everything is just like so everything is so complicated yeah yeah have you always had that like that part, I mean, it always seems to me you're obviously a very thoughtful and empathetic guy, at least on the surface, unless you murder people <laughs> on the side, it seems possible. But it seems like comedy always takes like kind of like a keen observational eye like that. And do you, do you remember even as like a kid when you were younger, do you, being sort of a, an interested observer in, the, in like the human condition like that? Yeah, I think as a kid, I mean, I think that maybe gives me a little too much credit. As <laughs> I think when I was a child, I wouldn't be like, when I was 10, I, you know, I started observing the human condition right. young. But I was, <laughs> I was definitely like, I, I would get, um, I would notice little like hypocrisies or um, little inconsistencies and like kind of seize on those kind of things. Like I remember even mm. as a kid, which actually was a Seinfeld bit. At probably around the same time, but like I think I noticed it separately. The idea of like when you when you would start going into a movie theater or whatever, and they would have a medium and a large soda and no small, and I it would like drive. I would just be like, it's a small and a large. It's you, right. there's no medium because medium is the middle ground between things, and it's like that kind of stuff. I've I've like noticed, and I think like a lot of the comedy that you know my stand up. Um, and even like to an extent, my podcast, it's like comes from a place of feeling like overwhelmed. Like I'm not usually on stage like mad at stuff. Mm. I'm just like overwhelmed by it or like befuddled by it or, you know, um, that's like kind of where I come from. I'm, I'm not, it's not a lot of like, 
and and let me tell you about this idiot. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's more like working through it as you go. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, like I just like why is everything such an ordeal? I think is like or like, hey, this this thing happened, and like that's a lot of like I really like this. You know, this is like very right. exciting and novel to me. Just kind of like pointing out like. Oh, this, this is why this thing that we treat as normal is actually like very overwhelming to me. Sure. In a good way or a, or a stressful way. Right. Well, that takes a little bit of like a concept of just like injustice, right? To just know that something's bothering you. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just fundamentally wrong. Or were your, uh, were your parents like that? Like, did, did you get any influence from them in that way? I think so. It's, it's interesting because I think my dad is like that, but he, but like when I was a kid, I think my parents are very like sweet and good people, mm-hmm. but my dad does get like riled up over and not, he's not like an angry dude, but he, these little injustices, I think he, um, he really, he'll, he'll like go to the war. Like the big one when I was a kid, this is like a great example. He okay. would sign up the Boston Globe would have like a, a special where you could get like six weeks for a dollar a week of newspaper sure. deliveries. And he would sign up. And then at the end of six weeks, they would bump the price up. And he was like, they should oh, right. tell me, you know, they should tell me that I should re-up or discontinue my subscription after my six weeks end. So he, they kept bumping up that like he would call and cancel and then they would offer him the the discount rate again right. and then they would bump up the price and so finally he was just like no more like I'm <laughs> the Boston Globe I will it will no longer be delivered here because they they're the way they their pricing structure works is like a pain in my butt and, right. and so it's like that kind of thing but also he's like really active in his trade union he's a member he was a glazer so we did like windows and oh, storefronts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was really active in the the union. So I think there's a lot of like, I think that was like a a place where his sense mm. of justice was like sure. applied. And, and he would like tell me about that kind of stuff, like going to the meetings and like speaking up for like, well, we're part of this bigger umbrella organization and we want our benefits up on par with the other uh, mm. people's benefits because, you know, we work as hard as them and we pay the same dues. And so that kind of stuff is like from a a legitimate like, Yes, we we have to like people should be treated fairly. But then there were also the little things about like the newspaper and whatnot. <laughs> right. Well, that's fucked up. Even you're telling me this story, and I still it's, yeah. it's fucked up when they you're do like, that hey, to people. Yeah. I don't like some Columbia yep. House bullshit. You know, it just happened to me today where I was subscribed, and I'm gonna I'm like try. I debated. I was like, do I do it? Do I unsubscribe? Because I know they're running the deal again. Yeah. Is I subscribe to the athletic oh, for right. their basketball coverage. Yeah. I haven't and jumped over doing, that paywall yet. Yeah. I, I, it was, they, so they had a deal. It was a, a dollar a month for six months. Okay. And I was like, I, I saw yesterday maybe that they were doing the deal again. And I was like, well, my six months can't possibly be up. And then today, like one day later, I got the, um, uh, charge to your credit card seven ninety nine, and I was like, oh, no, no. and I was like, do I? And and like, I entered into this contract of my own volition. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's this is on me for sure. Right. But um, but now I'm like, okay, do I do I pay the seven ninety nine or do I cancel? And then, tr- and then try to resubscribe for the one dollar rate, and be like, "No, I'm a new subscriber because I canceled." Right? <laughs> like, they gotta know. And then, right, they, right, they have my information on file. Yeah. This is not going to be a secret to them. Yeah. So it's all about just like how, like, 
am I willing to endure the ordeal of being like, no, you said there's a deal. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, this is, we got to keep Brad out of this question because this just <laughs> occurred in my mind. But do you ever like get to a situation like that and be like, you know what? I can't be the Jewish guy who goes to the nines on this one. Oh, yeah. Because it just yeah, feels yeah, 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 yeah. too weird. No doubt. I am so, I will not, the the links I'll go to like avoid sending food back because I'm, right. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm a little picky. Like I have a couple picky food things where like I'll order a sandwich with no tomatoes. And then if the tomatoes come, I pull the tomatoes off. Yeah. I, it's, it's just like, that seems like, yeah, yeah, who wants that drum? Who wants to be that guy that's like, actually, can you make it again? And it's like, 50-50, 50-50, they're just going to scrape the tomatoes off. Yeah. And and then bring it back. And then they're going to, and they're also going to not like me. Yeah, there's <laughs> so like, no way to get out of that feeling cool right, at all. Right. Right. So I'm just going to do, I'm going to short circuit that complaint and then just scrape them off myself and enjoy the sandwich. What? 99% as much. I'm not right. allergic. It's yeah. fine. I, but I'm go. so, I, I'm just like, I am so concerned with not looking like the guy that's like, the soup is too cold. Yeah. Now it's too hot. Like, <laughs> right. <"Ooh."> yeah. <laughs> I, I like him so, yeah, I, I hate to think of myself as being that yeah. person. It's a weird overcompensation I, I have to deal. I actually hadn't really considered it much. And something happened just recently where I, I went to go, uh, I went to go hike with my family Mm-hmm. And it was a Saturday and we were about to go on the trail and the trail was closed for deer hunting because it's like, you know, the deer hunting season. Mm-hmm. And my first instinct, it's like it's fucking Saturday, you know, like I'm out here yeah. with my family, like this is kind of fucking stupid. Go shoot your deer on Tuesday or something. Right. So <laughs> I find one email on the list who's like the stewardship council guy, sure, you know, and I start my email. I'm like, hey, listen, like I just hit this trail with my family. You know, this is kind of weird with timing. It's the weekend. Like, this doesn't seem necessary. And I'm about to sign it, Ben Horowitz. And I'm like, nope. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just putting Ben. And I censored my last name because I'm like, I don't know who I'm writing. Right. Like, like, and I don't oh, know if this course, person this gets Jew doesn't yeah, this hunt. fucking annoying Jew out on the trail, <laughs> always finds something to complain about. And I was like, no. And I censored my name because of it. Yep. Yeah. I know, I know that feeling. I know that feeling well. And it's, I, and I'm not like a super complainy person, no, but it either. is like something has to rise. Like, I, I, something has to rise to the level of like, not only is it inconvenient for me, but like there's something else at stake. Like mm. I, I like never write bad reviews of stuff. No, like no. you know, I'll never like I could be in a in a ride share and they could like go up on two wheels and it's like this guy's just trying to make a yeah. living. And <laughs> yeah. so never the one time though was um this is like another like another Seinfeld like I have a hack life, but I was <laughs> I landed in I think Austin for a gig. And I went to the rental car place and they were like, oh, yeah, it's going to be an hour. And I looked back at my reservation because I was like, oh, maybe I anticipated it would take me longer to get there. And I nope, I like actually, you know, had reserved it a half hour early. And I was like, what do you mean it's going to be another hour? And they're like, well, more people wanted cars than we said. And I was like, or than we thought. And I was like, yeah, but I reserve. What does reserve mean? If right, not, right. there's one waiting for yeah. me. And so, and they were like, sorry, can't help you. So I sat down and I was just like messing around on my phone. And as 
I, um, I, as I sat down, I got the email that was like, how was your, uh, how was your experience at the rental car desk today? Because, assuming, you know, because the, right. the email was just time uh, released, assuming that I'd left already. And I was like, let me tell you a couple things. But I like, since you asked. Did, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to yelp you, but you came to my inbox. So let's tango. And, but obviously like wouldn't throw the, the person at the desk under the bus. Right. But I was just like, yeah, it was very unsatisfying. Like I reserved a car and there was not a car ready and I have places I have to be. That's why I reserved a rental car. Yeah, right? yeah. That's a weird one. Hey, Brad, you just yeah. don't get this at all, do you? You just get to float around this world. <laughs> no problems. As a cranky complainer. Cranky, complaining white guy. <laughs> just so nice. I, I scrape off the tomatoes too. I don't yeah, like tomatoes. Yeah. The tomato scrapers. <laughs> but I, you know, I've, I've been in the service industry and certainly... Been around too many people that were, you know, I'm not going to send it back and be cranky. No. No, but but for real, I I think it's like, that. that's the thing. I don't want to complain. If it's going to like come down on somebody else, like if it's going to be more inconvenient than just like, oh, hey, could you check again? Like, I really like... You know, it's like going into a store and be like, hey, would you mind checking in the back for these pants? They don't have any of my size out here. Um, Like, are you sure? Like, it would... You know, it would really, I like just need these new pants for something. I like that kind of stuff. But like, right. if it's something that like, I suspect someone else would get like yelled at if they get caught redoing it or like something that's going to come out of their paycheck. It's like, I, it would, it has to rise to like such a level of like, Hey, there's like a hypodermic needle in this, um, in this smoothie. <laughs> right. yeah. Would you mind just like <laughs> redoing that? That's awesome, man. I, I was wondering, I mean, we, we talked before we started recording how I hadn't realized when you were, you know, off track post-pandemic, uh, Jesus and Mero got back going within within two weeks, which is yeah. super impressive. And something I thought you might be able to speak on, I thought was interesting is, is how, how much truth do you think is in the concept that like people need entertainment like sports and, and shows like this? which sometimes in, you know, in the context of sports, put people in physical harm to provide that escape. Yeah. Like, do you think this is a real necessity of humans or is this just like of its own economic construct that like, it's just about jobs? I I think that it's like the way people say it is mostly about making money, right? Like, like, People saying like, well, the, the NBA being like, we have to have this all-star game. And like right. LeBron James, nope. the, one of the three greatest players in league history, yeah. who seems like incredibly aware of his place in history. And like, sure. so all-star appearances like probably mean something to him, right? It's like, there shouldn't be this game. I right. don't want to play in it. Mm-hmm. Played 13 minutes and then sat the rest of the game. Like, right. and I, that's his decision as a, you know, as a, a an employee, you know, as a worker to do that, I think sure. is like a, and to say that. Uh, so I do think like, a lot of the time when people say like we need entertainment or whatever um or or like we need something under these conditions i do think that there is there is truth to that but also all previous entertainment to this point which is so much is like at our fingertips <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> so that's the thing right. when someone's like we have to get the the we have to make new episodes of young sheldon no matter the cost <laughs> the people demand sheldon it's like i don't know we've got so many seasons of big bang theory they could just rewatch on whatever streaming platform yeah yeah that's just true. like like sheldon like, we'll revisit sheldon a year older how about that right right I mean, did you find that, was there any um, feedback 
for you all when you came back where people were like, oh, goodness, thank Thank goodness you're back on. It makes me feel so much better. People people have been so nice about having the show on. And I feel less guilty about, about doing the show because, you know, Jesus and Mero host the show separately from their two. Right. It was from their individual homes. Like they didn't, you know, occasionally someone would like come in and set up some equipment, but usually the equipment gets like sent to their house. Yeah. They set it up themselves over a... a conference call with our with our director and it's like so they and so there was such minimal risk it felt like and we've been like branching out a little bit doing a little bit more in person once like tests became more available and like they're they're a, a more firm protocol fell into place but like at first i was you know i was so stressed out the first few months of the pandemic but i didn't feel like it was irresponsible to do the show because like for the, for the first months we did like literally everything from their two separate houses or if we all the guests were on zoom um and and people did seem really grateful and, huh. and so i don't want to discount like and and i don't want to discount how like the cabin fever that i felt early either or sure. like when basketball came back i was uh. like oh this makes every night of my life better. (laughs) But it is also like, if it didn't, if they were like, we can't do this safely, or if the players were like, this is unsafe and we don't, we, we can't work under these conditions. I would like 1 million percent stand with, with that. I mean, was it easier in the context for you since Jesus and Mero are like just pros, like those two have been doing things with each other and back and forth with each other for so long that, I mean, I can't, I can imagine there's like a, a harmony and sort of a poetry to the way they work at this point. Do you think that was helpful in it? Yeah. Their, well, their chemistry with each other is like so incredibly good. It's infectious. And they're, yeah. it's, in, it's infectious. It's fun. And I think uh, uh, the other thing, it's it, not just like how good their chemistry is, but just the simple fact that there are two of them and because they improvise a lot mm. you know so much of the show is just them riffing right they surprise each other and <laughs> laugh at each other which is such a a like a lovely element to the show where um you know other hosts like people writing for other shows and other hosts delivering monologue material just to camera don't have the benefit in, in their own homes of like someone else laughing at them on camera like you right. know the way that you would have an audience laughter yeah, so right. they're they're like cracking each other up, I think is such a joyful thing to witness during this time. Huh. And, and it, I, I think it like green lights you laughing at home a little bit more too. Sure. What was the first time you met, you met the bodega boys? I didn't meet them. Like we knew of each other f- through Twitter and stuff, but uh. the first time I met them was when I, um when I interviewed for the job and it was, it was November 2018 and it was the day after the Red Sox had clinched the World Series against the Dodgers <laughs> and I'm a big Red Sox fan and yeah. they're big Yankees fans sure. and so I walked into the interview and Jesus looks at me I wasn't even wearing a hat Jesus looks at me and goes uh goes uh I bet you're pretty fucking happy today <laughs> That was the first thing he said to me. And uh, I go, yeah, man, it's great to win the World Series. You guys should give it a shot. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm sure he appreciated it was, that. Yeah. He did, I think. And yeah. it was like, off. I was off and running. It was like yeah. a very good interview. And I think like that I felt, I feel really good when someone gives me shit in that way. Yeah. Like it feels like, like someone thinks 
that I it's like an like an in-group thing like it is. Oh, like yeah. they say like you only tease the ones you love or whatever which yeah. I don't think is right. true but you can tell the difference <laughs> yeah no you got you got the proper like New York City initiation right there cuz cuz it's not about it's about how you take that yes you know that's for what sure. it's all if, about you got to come in sometimes hot yep. when you're dealing with a new person to see if they can handle it to see yes. if they can break and, balls and have some fun and, you know? and not again th- th- and that's the perfect level right it's yeah. not like abusive it wasn't cruel right. it wasn't like yeah. out of bounds it was like exactly the level that like when someone gives you shit you should be able to take it in stride especially yeah. a, as a comedy person yes, and i think yeah. like that exchange was very fun and like um you know and and, and like the vibes were really good in the room because of that and, like when i did conan uh-huh. in 2016 i i don't know like i truly don't want to give this away i don't think this is a bit he does with every person but he came into the green room and he was he was so so sweet that he came down he came down and he was like um hey josh thank you so much for doing the show uh so so nice i was like so starstruck i was like this guy wrote the monorail episode of the simpsons and he (laughs) comes in he's like uh thank you so much for doing the show this is i don't know if you noticed this this is the biggest green room of all of them and i wanted you to have it today because i always wanted you to remember that your first time doing the show we tried to book a band and they weren't available and it was so funny and i i was just like so like i was like oh he's not he's not like is this guy going to do well he's like let's bring him in you know let's bring josh into the the feeling of the show yeah. and it made me so happy and uh, i go can i have the um can I eat the veggie platter? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'd prefer you didn't. And uh, he goes, so we, we do the taping and it, it goes, it goes well. And he's so nice afterwards. He comes over, we shake hands in the, in the, on set. And he says, you know, some people, um, this, this made me like just everything he said, I was like, this is perfect. It was like such a, an exciting taping. Like it was so right. much fun. And he goes, he shakes my hand and he goes, you know, um, some it seemed like you're really having fun and some people who come on for the first time you can see that they're a little scared uh there's a little fear in their eyes and he's like and i've learned long ago it is none of their business and he points like out to the audience he goes none of their business what's going on in here <laughs> it was so funny oh, and he goes man. come sit down on the couch so i sit down on the couch and he says um he says uh thank you it was um Melinda Melinda Rausch from Big Bang Theory. Tony Hale was the other guest. He was oh, like, and Josh cool. Connellan, good night. And we wave from the couch. And uh and then he leans over to me and he goes, uh, you know, we we can't use any of this, right? <laughs> and I go, Oh yeah, I wouldn't. And he goes, We're just gonna run an old episode of Get Smart. <laughs> and I go, I go, Well, can I have the those carrot sticks now? And he goes, No, those are for flea. <laughs> Wow, he really went in on you. This is and I'm like, you can see, I think there's like one second of it in over the credits as they're rolling where he fake yells at me and I fake am aghast. And my manager was in the wings and she after was like, is everything okay? <laughs> she was like, your face was like shocked. And I was like, oh yeah, it was just like, we were just goofing around. And she was like, good, 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 good. Like, oh. You really sold it. <laughs> and like I love that kind of stuff like that kind yeah. I'm like very comfortable being like comedy bullied um or like talking 
like fake trash to someone who I yeah. know will like receive it well and lovingly. Um, and and I'm I I think generally I tend towards like too earnest and just like appreciative of people. But I love being in a place where it's like I know if I say something just like just like a little mean to this person, they will take it as like. I love this and yeah. like I feel seen and I feel included. Right, right. I was just telling Brad the last episode that I think because of where I'm from, text messaging has become a problem with me because mm-hmm. I have that thing with people. I like to, you know, get into it right away, kind of show yeah, yeah, where yeah. you're from. But in a real life context, you know, it's followed with like, ah, I'm just fucking with you. Now. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Tap on the shoulder or something like that. <laughs> And I realize now I don't tap on the shoulder in text. And no one knows. They just think it's just like a fucking dick. Yeah. It just sounds like, all right, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was harsh. Well, man. you well, you you work with um with Chris Farron and Jeff Rosenstock, right, in Anarcto Vespucci, I which I love. I uh, band I love. And when I saw Chris open for Jeff's live album recording, he gave like truly the funniest, (laughs) best intro I've ever seen. It was like so perfect. Yeah. Where he he said, essentially, it was like, uh, you know, thanks. He was like, thanks everybody for having me. I'm going to bring out Jeff in a second. I just want to say, sometimes you have a friend in your life that that teaches you to be your best self and make the art that you think is good and that you know is good rather than what you think people want and what will sell. Because really what's valuable is speaking from the heart and making the the work from your soul. Uh, and for your headliner, I am that friend. <laughs> it's like, truly, I will never forget how funny that was. It's like such a great bit. And, and like, I love that kind of thing where it's like yeah. so clearly like, Everyone in the audience is in on, you know, this big crowd at um Bowery Ballroom right. or wherever it was. And uh and like it's it's not cruel, right? It's no. not like it's it's and it's it's everybody understands that it's between friends. And the opening act, like kind of doing that to the headlining act is like a very funny direction to take that. Whereas like even if the headliner does that to the opener, there's like a little bit of like Feels oh little, come on. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. like be nice to this person. They're still struggling. But like when the opener does it to the yeah. headliner, it's so funny. <laughs> Jeff knows how to get his pants taken down for sure. Mm-hmm. I gotta be honest, when I'm on a nine article tour, especially the one time and often when Laura Stevenson comes out to do keys, the three of them together, it's like the biggest relief to just get in the van every day. You literally just sit back, grab a shitty coffee from somewhere and just watch mm-hmm. it like play out. And it is the funniest shit. I love that. Yeah. And three, three of my favorite artists and, and previous guests of the show. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Friends of the program. Multiple, I'd even multiple call guests. Friends of the program. Friends of the program. I didn't want to overstay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we talked about Conan a little bit and, you know, he's obviously now known for what he is, but came up as a comic writer. And I always see these like top three, top five best standups of all time. It's always the same people on there. Now to you, who is the best comic writer of all time? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Or is there like a Mount Rushmore? I mean, like there's so many people that I, whose work I'm just like, man, like, just like, hmm. Conan is for sure up there having written for like SNL, The Simpsons for his own show for so many years. Right. I'm trying to think of people who, whose work I really 
love. I mean, like the team that works with, um, that has worked with Mike Schur over the years on like yeah. the good place and parks and rec. Sure. I have so much admiration for, um, gosh, I'm trying to think there are these two books, uh, I forget by Mike Sachs, Michael Sachs, that are interviews with comedy writers. Mm. And I just like devoured them both. One's called Poking a Dead Frog. And then there, whoever, if people are listening and interested, they're easy to find. Mike Sachs, M um, S A C H S. Um, but that, uh, the, and those books are just like full of people that I'm like, oh my gosh, this like so many brilliant insights. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I like hate to, my problem is I, if I start naming names, I'm just going to go for like three minutes. Like it's the end of like an early nineties rap song. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to Joe Mandy. <laughs> just got to do it like all-star selections. You know, the people who get left off mm-hmm. maybe next year, you know, you can't feel Yeah, maybe bad. next year. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Bradley Beal. You were scoring 30 on a team that's won eight games. Yeah. No starting. You know what I always wondered about that, about writing is, you know, like in music, you'll have people that are really renowned as like a guitar player, but you know, they can't re- outside of their band. They're not nearly the same. You know, it kind of mm-hmm. takes the band. I'm just wondering, has there ever been a writer who was just like the absolute best writer for a show or for a particular person that just couldn't cut it outside mm-hmm. or it just wasn't as funny? interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say, I, I mean, just the way my disposition is, I would say I would flip it and say like, there are writers who like thrive more under certain circumstances. Right. <laughs> not that they're not funny under other circumstances. Like right. usually you have to like get the, you know, you have to like show something to get the job or whatever. But like, there sure. are people that like, you're just like, wow, their work when they wrote for SNL was incredible. And then the stuff they did after, like, whatever the circumstances, uh, didn't quite get to right. that level or whatever. Yeah, I but guess that's the same. Cause thing. I, yeah, I, I think it is the same thing, but I, I like, I am just, I'm like such a, like a reluctant to like speak, even sound like I'm like maybe speaking ill that I'm just like, oh yeah, it's just like, decent circumstances are bad and then better set up to thrive. You, you know who else is like Julio Torres is someone whose stuff is like amazing. Like the stuff he did for SNL uh. was so great. And then Losa Spookies is so great. And his hour special, um, my favorite shapes is amazing. And I just like, I'm so impressed by someone like Julio who can, who has such a strong aesthetic and such a strong set of, um, values and interests as a writer and performer and can like bring that to so many different venues. I think Mm -hmm. that's really cool because I feel like, excuse me, I I feel so impressed by that because I think something that I do is like, I'm pretty malleable. So like there's stuff that you like, you know, in various places you'd be like, oh, Josh probably pitched that. But it is, I do feel like the thing I do better than like bring myself everywhere I go is like try to serve the project sometimes to the like tamping down of like what I think is, you know what I mean? Right. Like what I, what I would want to be doing. And I think like someone like Julio is like incredibly gifted at writing SNL sketches that also are so distinctive as like Julio Torres sketches. Right. Yeah. I was wondering that now after all these years of comedy writing, uh, you know, when you're sitting down to do something, you know, for another show or for yourself, do you think, after all this time, it comes from a place of what you think is funny 
or from what you yeah. know from experience other people will think is funny. I I try only to pitch stuff that I think is funny uh especially if it's like a bigger piece that we're going to produce so like there's that intersection of like this is what i think the funniest thing in the world is right. and then this is what um this is what i think will work and then like if if people aren't buying what's over here you kind of I'm like all right well i'll 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 extend an olive branch right. which is which is something that i heard mike Berbiglia talking about with just like stand up years ago okay. so was saying that like what you want to do is like write it the way you think it should go and then if it's not hitting then you figure out like mm-hmm. okay what do i need to do to communicate the thing that i think is funny and true to other people in a way that they're ready to understand it yeah i wish i wish musicians feels- got that chance like you could just go on stage and play a song then you kind of like stop in the middle. Your guy, guys, this one's not working. Let's <laughs> let's bring it back to the space. Let's bring it back. We'll work it. We'll show you guys. Yeah, next I guess when we come back tomorrow night for the next like two weeks in a row, we'll try it again. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. With like the new the new like chord, okay chord uh, key change happens here yeah, instead, yeah, yeah. and like we're gonna tweak tinkle uh, t- uh, tinker with the lyrics. Yeah, I that's so funny. But I'm so jealous of musicians because it's like okay, there's the five of us in the studio, uh, and we wrote this song and we played it, and and. And we send it out into the world and then people yeah. like learn it the way it is. <laughs> people love it right. the way it is. It's like a team. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah you're just like a, a coach. Yes. And, and with stand up, I feel, I feel like I go out on stage and I'm like, oh, how about this? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> like I've been it's doing it long enough that it's not like nerve wracking, but right. it's definitely like, I'm putting it out there. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Not this time. Got it. <laughs> so uh, that, that still happens. That's funny. All right. Last question about writing. Now, I read somewhere sure. that you have a deep love for the film Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so here's what happens. Tomorrow, you're just working, and you get a call from director Rowdy Harrington. Mm-hmm. He calls you. He says, Josh, I love your writing. I love your sensibility. Here's the keys to the sequel, Roadhouse 2. <laughs> now, wow. how do we honor Dalton? And we put yep. Roadhouse 2 together. And what's what's the pitch? I feel like the easy one... Okay, so this is... Maybe not easy, but this is the pitch for <laughs> okay. sure. This is... And, and I've seen it done a couple of times with reboots recently. Okay. And I think it it is like an effective move, which is they, they did it in the, the Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted movie, and in the new Coming to America, which is right. like, okay, Dalton's daughter is now yes. the like bar the either cooler. she's the bouncer or she's the bar yeah or the cooler right yeah. or she's the bar owner that needs to find a cooler that has mm. the qualities of her uh-huh. father something like that so like you you it, it you make it a little less like dudes broing out than yeah. the the original sure. one was sure, sure. and then you try to bring like a generational connection to it that's that's my like immediate idea we still casting Sam Elliott you got, I mean, look, as long as Sam's, Sam Elliott's alive, we're casting Sam Elliott. I, think I feel like Ben Gazzara, Ben Gazzara has been vanquished, though, right? What I it, feel like we need a new villain. We need a new villain. We need a new villain. Maybe his yeah. kid. Maybe his kid. <laughs> <laughs> now, if if you had a list, like if you had to cast, let's just let's just say for the sake of being a group of men in a group chat here, if you had to cast Dalton now. Like, yeah. who is the new Patrick Swayze? I would go Statham. Can he dance? Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I would go Statham though, because I think he is, is like great at the action stuff. Like he's kind of one of the last the last actors who will just do like straight up genre action movies yeah. as like most of his career, oh, like the, the steady to. diet yeah. of those. He and down, he yeah. was so good in spy. Um, doing like kind of not taking himself too seriously. So I think like kind of a campy roadhousey movie, you go like that character of like the gruff man, you go Statham. That's, yeah. that's my call. I like that. Off the dome. Yeah. Are we making it? Are we going to taking someone's throat out towards the end? Just- He's got to as an homage. Cause I feel like <laughs> fans of the original will lose their minds. Yeah. Right, because he Dalton does it like two or three times, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, I, That's like his move. I mean, well, it's the great irony of that movie, which is he spends the first like forty-five minutes of it telling everyone to relax, yep. be cool, be nice, and be then nice. just murders everyone. You know, that's like that's the the heart of my book <laughs> that came out in twenty nineteen is the idea of like how. I think about that speech all the time. And like we were talking about before with like complaining about stuff or sending food back. It's like, be nice until it's time to not be nice, right? right. And then they go, well, how do we know when some not be nice? And he goes, I'll tell you. And it's like, I wish someone would be like, hey, Josh, time to not be nice. Yeah, and I'd be like, okay. <laughs> but like, I'm just like, you know, I will just like let any behavior slide. And then I have to be like, oh, I should stand up for something. You need a little Dalton on your shoulders. I need a little Dalton. That's what it is, a Dalton and a Costanza. <laughs> Dalton, you need a Dalton out. I think this is... Dalton out. Yeah, we got... All right, so we have mini Daltons, mini Costanzas yeah. on each shoulder. And you're pretty much covered that, for life, right? That's who does it, yeah. But you're not supposed to listen to Costanza well, that's the devil. You can't <laughs> right. have two Daltons yeah, on you your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's no tension. <laughs> Imagine those two going at it. Costanza and Dalton. I would, I, you know, they, they could CGI and sim so many things these days. Can't they someone do that They would hate each me? other. <laughs> I feel like I'm so... I've become such a cynical audience for like Super Bowl commercials um, because it's like, <laughs> they've gone down I think the, and the, I, I agree. I think they've gotten less fun and I think they've gotten more openly cynical. Like obviously advertising is advertising, but I feel like the, the level of pandering that happens now is like so visible. <laughs> um, whereas like in the, when I just, maybe I was just a kid then, but like, like the Budweiser commercials with like the what's up guys. It's like, that's annoying, but it's its own thing. Yeah. And, and, and then now I just feel like everything's like a reference to six other things. Anyway, I, not the point, but yeah. the, the, the commercial <laughs> during the Super Bowl this year, right. With the, the Jason Alexander hoodie <laughs> really did get me because I was like, this is so weird. Like whoever wrote <laughs> this is like a legitimately funny writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Now you were, I know Brad's going to flip out if we start talking about sports, but I saw you had Zach Lowe and Mina Kimes on your podcast. I know you're a fan. Yes, yes. And so one, one sports question I'm going to ask is based on my loose math, you must have been a freshman or a sophomore in college when the Red Sox broke the drought. Yep. Can you tell me what you were doing and how you got into it? Yes, it was terrific. I so in 2003, I was a freshman in college when they um when Grady Little, Little left Pedro Martinez right in too long and there's the Aaron Boone home run. Remember uh, it well. Yes. And so that 
that my friend Matt, who is from Newton, Mass., uh, who's a great dude, he was so steamed. And like, we were just like around people from other places, including a bunch of like kind of casual Yankees fans who were like, right. Yeah, we, we won the series. And he, I had to like take him for a walk. That was, I had to be like, Hey, man, it's all right. There's always next year. And we like took the walk. And then 2004, 2004 was. Great. I just was like so excited, was on right. campus at Brandeis, so like close to the city. Did mm-hmm. uh, uh, my room my roommate freshman year is was a childhood friend and he I believe went into the city for the parade, but okay. I, I like didn't I didn't end up going. But yeah, it was it was so exciting. It was um I remember saying to my dad, I was like, I really think grandpa can can die happy at this point. Nice. And my dad was like don't say that. Like, meaning, like, uh, I think uh, you might like be too right. Like your famous yeah. last <laughs> words. I think he might think that, and we don't want him to get any ideas. <laughs> like, oh, like they want him out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Just like, like, oh, okay. don't say that around him before he's like, yeah, that was the last thing okay. on the bucket okay. list. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, it went dark. Just it went dark. No, no, no. That's okay. I mean, I took it dark to, to start with, but yeah. And then in 07, when they won again. I was um I, I was just out of school and and watched like with my with like the same group of people pretty right. much and we were like roommates in Alston Mass the year after college. But I will say in in 04 the, coming back from down 03 in that Yankees series in the ALCS that was like the um the World Series wasn't as competitive, right? It like it was like a sweep I think or maybe five yeah. and so, and that coming back in that seven game series against the Yankees it felt like they could not possibly lose the World Series yeah. at that point. Even Yankees it was, it fans knew it. By, by yeah, game it was, five, something <laughs> funny was going on. It was inconceivable to yeah. me that like after that series ended that they would then lose to the Cardinals and we would be like, <laughs> again? Yeah. This again? Yeah, there's no again. chance. No chance at that point. It was fate. It was crazy. Sorry, but Brad. Great. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Brad. <laughs> So Brad came up well, with Well, this a little, is a good segue yeah. for our game. Please. Sure is. is that what you were going to say? Yeah, perfect. I set you Since up, you Brad. Since you have that... <laughs> Silver platter, big guy. Since Make My Day, your podcast, is... If anybody hasn't hasn't listened to it, you should. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. Oh, thank you. Um, where you ask people questions to basically cheer you up. Um, I don't know if these will... These might cheer us up, but uh, we, you know, everybody always talks about the LA, New York City comparison, but we want to go Brooklyn, Boston. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so we got a couple of questions here. Um, food. Food. So what's your, like, most, like, favorite, like, Brooklyn-oriented food, and what would you like, and what's what's Boston? So the thing, I've been really nostalgic for Boston food lately. I haven't been home since Christmas 2019. And so the thing that I miss so much from, from Boston, and I've been thinking about it like nonstop for the past two weeks, as it seems like we're getting closer to me being able to go visit my parents, is um, there are these, like every town has its own or more than one like famous roast beef, <laughs> like sub shop basically that specializes in like thin cut roast beef sandwiches mm. and a lot of them are roast beef and seafood which is a baffling combination wow. that i didn't realize was not normal until like literally two years ago like when i went home yeah. that christmas i was like walking with my my wife had come to visit my family my wife maris and i were walking to a dunkin donuts <laughs> for my parents house <laughs> and i said um 
I was like, oh, Liberty Bell. We've never gone there when you've come to see my parents. It's like one of those roast beef and seafood places. Like, and she was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. That's not anything. <laughs> and the I famous even, one. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. The famous one is Kelly's Roast Beef. Yeah. That that is like there's one on Revere Beach, there's one in Saugus. There's like a few, there's one in Logan Airport now that does a roast beef breakfast sandwich <laughs> that almost killed me. <laughs> but um but those it, so they have like roast beef and like clam strips and then lobster rolls when they're in season and that's I miss that that specific thing so we much. We talked like the, fried fried clams or or like fried clams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Not like not like steamed. I think it's like not quite a high enough quality to do like a steamer, but um, <laughs> the, but yeah, okay. that so that kind of stuff. And the the one that is like famous, I've been doing a lot of roast beef research lately. <laughs> is the this the you order a roast beef three way, which is cheese mayo barbecue sauce, oh, and that man. is like a very and it's on like a toasted Ooh. onion roll usually, Sounds and it's good. like a very yeah, it's so good. <laughs> there's like obviously there's roast beef sandwiches everywhere, but like the roast beef culture is like such a nor and it's not even all of massachusetts it's like right. north shore boston is yeah, no, I, like i wasn't full. aware of these. are you digging into it, roast beef just just for kicks or you got something going on I've, roast beef related I've, I've been i've been missing that like i've been missing home and just like thinking about that and then the more i've been thinking about it the more i've been researching it and there's this i don't want to say the name because it's a private group but there's like several thousand people in this private facebook group that's all just uh reviews of individual roast beef sandwiches people have eaten <laughs> wow <laughs> roast beef culture and roast beef culture and they're like the reviews are all like incredibly aggressive yeah. so they're all like uh it'll all be like um flavor of the beef five stars go fuck yourself guy <laughs> it's like 10 out of 10 yeah you, you shit in your mother's mouth if you think different <laughs> And it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I like, I love it so much and I miss it. So when next time I go home, I think I'm going to, I'm going on like a roast beef sandwich tour of the North yeah. Shore. And I'm going to like go, <laughs> I'm going to go with my parents and then I'm going to take my sister to the place near uh, on Revere Beach. There were my, my grandparents who, who have both passed away used to live. And then I'm going to go up to like further north and my friend has a, a baby or a one-year-old now that I've never met and like try to uh, see him and his and his wife and their two kids and so I'm gonna go on like the the like roast beef the post-pandemic like roast beef and family tour That's and I like awesome. it's like the thing I am truly the most excited about in the world maybe <laughs> there's gotta have you gotten wind of like a convention or anything yet like once a year in New Bedford I'm, at like the Holiday oh. Inn, they like meet in the basement or something. <laughs> the beef off? Yeah. yeah. There's got to be something. I would for sure, I'd for sure go to that. Like I would, <laughs> I would like cancel. I would like <laughs> call in sick from work. I hope to, like, you'd cover the it. beef contest. You'd have to cover it at that I'm, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to write about, well, I'm going to write about this trip and then hope, and hopefully I like, I discover some interesting things, but like, I'm just like really excited to do that. And, and, yeah. um, and, and and like I miss like just the preponderance of like fried seafood or like just any seafood as like a summer food. Right. I've I've occasionally will do like a Brooklyn lobster roll, but they're always from like or almost always from places that are like sure we also have a lobster roll and it's right. like too expensive. And Not a lobster you want to go by like place. Yeah, you want to get it out of like a trailer or a shack and they like, it's like, you're like, I can't believe this is 23 bucks. And then there's like a whole lobster and then you see another lobster crying and they're like, my family, it's all in that roll. 
<laughs> and uh, and so that's like what you want from it. Right. Um, and just, let me think about like Brooklyn, Brooklyn food that I love because I'm like a I'm a real eater. Um, the thing. I feel like a hack just like the thing I get the most when we go out is like a, or not even when I go out, but like the thing when the world is open that I do the most is just like a bodega tuna fish sandwich, which I'll have like two to three nights a week. Oh, um, just coming home yeah. from, from stand up shows. But like the, my favorite place, I'm trying to think of like favorite places. You know what? This is, I, as like an, a, an adult, um, I've gotten into like, uh, a little fancier cocktail now and again. And I think like the, the culture of that, that's like not fussy and pretentious, like, uh, like we're a mixology bar. Everybody has a bow tie. That's a mustache or whatever. Um, it's just like a place that's like, we also do great cocktails. And I think our neighborhood is really good for that. Um, and, and a there's a, food, a there's cocktail. a couple bars that have d- done really great takeaway cocktails through the, um, through the mm. pandemic. And so my wife and I have allowed ourselves to be like, well, look, yeah. we'll t- it's a walk to the place. So that's like going outside. It's like half a mile each way. And then Get we come steps. back. Now we can get drunk we're supporting, on the way back. Yeah. yeah, we're supporting local businesses. <laughs> like this is, you know what? We're being good uh, community members. <laughs> it's one pro-pandemic thing is how any little neighborhood or town anywhere in America that had more than like four bars in a couple blocks has turned into fucking New Orleans. Yes, you know, for sure. Everyone is drinking out of bags, drunk on the curb. (laughs) It's such a, um, it's such an annoying, um, like prudish thing that like you can't have a drink. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. I think it's crazy. Like it really, it seems like it's, it's just like the existence of those laws is to like crack down on, on housed people. And, and like, yeah. obviously if someone is being like belligerently drunk at a Santa con or whatever, sure. like that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But like adults having a cocktail on a stoop is like delightful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. I remember every time I'm in Europe and I'm just like walking around a street having a beer, like it's an anomaly. Yeah. I like this, this shouldn't be an anomaly. This is painfully it's so nice. normal and nice. It's so, it's so nice. pleasant. Yeah. It's so pleasant. And like the idea of um having to just like stay especially because the options are like you're sometimes like oh this bar is so crowded. I wish we could just like go to a park right. and and have a have a glass of wine or something or yeah. a beer if if you want to have a drink in the evening. Obviously, no no pressure on people that don't want to drink to drink, but if you want to, you should be able to do it outside. Yeah, it's civilized. Civilized. Right, here's, your, here's another question, Brooklyn and uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. Fashion. What should you wear in Brooklyn to appear native? Oh, and gosh. What you wear in Boston mm. to appear, to blend in? Interesting. <laughs> so when I was living in Boston, for most of the time after school, I was in Alston, which is like very like a lot of BU students, a lot of BC. Mm-hmm. It's like between BU and BC. It was where I lived. That's where all the basement shows are, right? In in Boston. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And a lot of great venues there. Yeah. Great Scott. Yeah. Um, which I think is closed. Which yeah, it just I closed, love right? Great Scott. I know. Yeah. It was such a bummer. I have. Oh, it used to be right behind me, but I moved it. Um, a poster. I did a um Thanksgiving show there one year when I came back. I, I like had my birthday there oh, and had a show there a couple times. Yeah. I I like love and then kind of just. East, which I, th- I don't know if it's Alston or like it. It's just like 
West Boston or whatever. Like, that's not the name of the neighborhood, but like, if it's technically Austin, but like, The Paradise is another great mm-hmm. venue that mm-hmm. I've seen great shows at and performed at once or twice. Um, so I, I, I live there and I feel like there you can, there are like more neighborhoods in Boston that feel like you can get away with dressing like a little sweatpantsier. Um, <laughs> because they're, you know, it's like, oh, this is like, Every hungover college student is dressed like that. Right. right. <laughs> and there are so many neighborhoods where that are just like swamped by that, um, right. for better or worse. And I think in, in Brooklyn, I don't know. I think, every, well, this last year has been a real sweatpants year and right. I've really backslid, but <laughs> I think it used to be, um, it used to be like this. I felt like there was a, a long run of a reign of skinny jeans, yeah. which I liked. I'm sure. a pro skinny jeans person. Yeah. Um, but now I'm seeing more of those like cool people. It, maybe not in my neighborhood, but in like cool neighborhoods where like hipper artists, like a, in a Bushwick, uh, like those like baggy, not Jinko baggy, but like baggier clothes are coming back into yeah. fashion. It feels like. Yeah, I think I started seeing some bell bottoms kicking around, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 and just like cropped, like like wide leg cropped pants, and I'm like, wow, this is because to me that is like truly a return to my middle school and high school years, where the pants were. Uh, just I describe them in my book. I describe them as like two denim sleeping bags side by side. <laughs> exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. The no, the no feet tribe. The no feet, right? And then the back of them, uh, just all like shredded to shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I never thought for someone with like an unusual body shape such as myself, mm-hmm. I always thought I was like, oh, good, baggy clothes. Like I'm nice and yep. safe. No one can yep. see anything. Cool. But then I put on some slimmer stuff getting older. I'm like, fuck, that actually makes you look a little slimmer. You know, all yeah, this baggy think, stuff makes you look a little bigger. I, I think you can, the, I'm like trying to, to learn that as I grow older of like, oh, just get clothes that fit and you look good in them. <laughs> right? Instead of like trying to like trick people uh-huh. into being like putting yourself at like just wearing a, um, uh, deal or no deal briefcase as clothes and people be like ooh what's in there oh. it's just like dress for the body you have and it and it looks good because it looks good right right that's a good point that's awesome all right last question mm-hmm. fun somebody who's never been there before say out of town cousin or somebody comes to visit you in Brooklyn or Boston ooh where do you take them yeah your Jew- so- your jewish cop brother-in-laws come who i read about we gotta talk about that anomaly too yeah 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 that's it's fascinating um my my wife's brothers um who are are both police officers they i i mean i honestly don't know what they do for fun (laughs) i think i would just i think i would take them to um i mean it's like asking like what does a unicorn do for entertainment right right right, they don't exist in the wild until i read about this (laughs) but in in brooklyn i think in my neighborhood the you, I think it's like a fun excuse to do the stuff, like when someone visits, to do the stuff that you wouldn't do yeah, week to week. Right. Exactly. Sure. So like in my neighborhood, or not in my neighborhood, but like walkable about a mile in a couple directions, you can go to like a bar that has bocce, like a union hall. Right. And right. so that's what I would do. I think I would go, oh, you want to you have like a fun night out on the town 
um, in like my quadrant of Brooklyn. We'll go to Union Hall. We'll play bocce. We'll like go see an independent comedy show or, or band play um, downstairs. And that's like, that's like a, a, good. a night. That's good Brooklyn. That, yeah. That, I think that's what I would do. And in Boston, I'm trying to think. I would recommend. So, and in New York, like there's, there's, you know, the New York stuff is like easier because it's more famous too right where you can be like oh do you want to go to the the guggenheim you know (laughs) from television and film and history uh and in boston there there are also great like museums and and things like that the aquarium i love that aquarium oh the aquarium's great yeah (laughs) yes which is like the guggenheim of fish it is actually (laughs) that's what made me think of it (laughs) that i knew it because yeah it's like a corkscrew that you walk up and it's just like one big tank yeah the aquarium rules um my favorite is the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum. Okay. Which is, it's it was like this one super wealthy lady's house and her private art collection. And when she died, right. she was like, all the art stays the way it is, but it can be a museum, but you can't move anything. And then nice. in 1991, I want to say, it uh, a bunch of art got stolen. It's the largest unsolved art heist wow in history. Yeah. There's a great podcast about it called Last Scene, S-E-E-N. It's it's awesome. It's like my favorite crime story. Um Whoa. and and so there's th- th- like hundreds of millions, maybe uh, tens of millions, certainly of art stolen, never recovered. And Whoa. you can see where it used to be because they can't put anything else where it was. Mm. So there's like empty canvas, like empty frames where wow. canvases oh, were just cut out of the frames. Crazy. Yeah. And it's like a cool, weird mansion. Yeah, it's like the Joker um, went through there or something. It is. Yeah, it's like the Joker was there. <laughs> Maybe it was the Joker. They should interview. They should interrogate him. That's awesome. <laughs> but that is like, that's for sure. It's like a very specific Boston thing where it's oh, like, yeah, you're not going to quite definitely. see that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a, a do a to do. Did you see the yeah. Casey Affleck Dunkin' Donuts bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. Too fucking I'm funny. like... I know it's so good. I like wish it weren't him because like he's oh. such like a a fraught figure. I wish it were Ben. Honestly, is Casey I fraught? Did he do bad things? Yeah, oh, I think there man. were some like he's some accusations of him being abusive. I like that one. I, uh, God damn it! I know he was. He was I know a good it's a one. bummer. I'm pro. I'm pro Ben. He's he's my favorite Affleck. He does. He does, <laughs> he does very little wrong these days. You know, like I know. he has a couple reindeer games in his past that I think put him in a strange box, but mm-hmm. he's got a, a heck of a body of work at this point, right? He really, he really does. And he's got two Oscars, which is right. wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the other thing, the other Ben Affleck thing, first of all, this is terrific in Gone Girl. Yeah. I think he was so right. good in Gone Girl yeah. that you go, I don't know that he's acting, which I think is the best acting. Sure. <laughs> Where yeah, just right. like, I think that's just like what he does. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> He was. Um, and he, there's the, the, the story that has been told um, about him on the set where he's in either LaGuardia Airport or JFK in, in a scene. And he's all the TVs are playing his story and his face is on all the TVs and he's trying to flee um, because everyone thinks he killed his wife. And he has to wear, he buys a hat at the airport and wears it low down over his eyes so people don't recognize him. And D- David Fincher was like, it's a... Um, you've got to buy this Yankees hat at the kiosk. That's the scene, and you put it on. And he's like, "I'm not wearing a Yankees hat." He went, "Wow, really?" <laughs> and they shut down. This is this is like widely retold. I, I I hope I'm not like being yeah. But he was it. like, yeah. 
he was like, um, I will not wear this Yankees hat. And it stopped production on the movie for four days while they found a suitable hat, wow. which ended up being a Mets hat, which is literally the next thing you'd think of. Yeah. yeah. So, it, but it was because he was like in this standoff with David Fincher. And Fincher, in the t- he tells oh it on the Gone Girl like director's commentary. He's like, uh, kind of this kind of unprofessional prick. And it's like, well, after one day of a standoff, you're also at fault. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to write around, like, you don't have to do rewrites in the script if it's a Mets hat versus a Yankees yeah, hat. Yeah. Yeah. You could easily sell the Mets. I mean, you could be like, hey, I'm a random Phillies fan for no reason. It's, Phillies fan. It's it, close. Could be, it could be like FDNY, right? He's, he right. loves the fire department. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And, uh, like what it could be like any hat you could find at LaGuardia Airport or, or JFK Airport, whatever. And and it caused and and so like I have a um a real like hometown like oh, I as much as I we talked before about how I hate inconveniencing people and I hate like the idea of like shutting down production for four days because of a hat preference, but there is a level at which I'm like I have to admire that he was willing to go to this length yeah. for that that specific cause yeah i I even respect it even as a yankees fan i respect that good for you yeah good for you yeah yes i would want like if if jesus and marrow yeah were cast in a movie and they were like oh yeah you're at the new england aquarium i don't want to see you don't want to get sunburned you put on red sox hats it's like i would want them to be like absolutely we won't (laughs) i don't even want to see that i'm like scared Uh, yeah yeah oh it'd be weird you'd be like someone kidnapped jesus and marrow these are deep fakes like are they okay yeah yeah, I didn't really see. I didn't understand it until you put it in that context. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be the aquarium. But we did. We did for the show season one. We did like kind of quick deep fake things because that technology is like kind of emerging. And yeah. we did Jesus and Marrow deep fakes, and I voiced the Marrow one, oh. and I was like. Go Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) I think it made it to the show with Mero being like, God damn it, Josh. I could tell it was my voice immediately. (laughs) What's your Mero sound like? How did you do it? I I did not do an impression. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was just like, hello, it's I, the kid Mero. Right. Okay. Murky water to do to your bosses. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know... Even if you're not an optimistic character at home, you know, I can't say what you are there, but you give off a very optimistic point of view. You know, you coach people on Twitter and and do all these things to try to bring a little light into the world. Um, Like functionally, what what are the types of things that you tell yourself in order to stay optimistic? Is, Is optimism simply like a discipline where you need to continue to tell yourself the same things what are your tricks to just kind of keep that focus oh that's a great question i think like stuff that is really helpful and restorative to me because i'm not like you know sometimes i'll get asked to do stuff that's like a little more sincere and a little less comedy and i'm like well you have to realize i don't know anything i'm like just a dummy uh with like a lucky brain and but i do think like I'm I'm not like immune to feeling bad or feeling discouraged. And the things that like really are restorative to me is like connecting with people that I, excuse me, connecting with people that I love and, and care about. And like, you know, talking to, talking to them, doing, doing uh, things in person with them when that's possible. Um, that's really helpful to me doing stuff. That's like within my control is like a big mm. career thing for me. Like instead of, 
waiting around like, oh, I hope this thing sells or like, I hope that I get hired for this job being like, I'm going to make something that I like. Right. And then, and then do, you know, do what I can with it mm-hmm. instead of like, instead of focusing on like the industry show so business just focus career on the outcomes. Creation. Focusing on the creation is like super helpful mm-hmm. to me. It's just like, make the thing that I, I want to make right. and then, and then find a way to show it off, like whatever that is. And, and that is like, super helpful to me. And then like, I mean, this, this will sound pandery like on, on your, on the show, but like going to see live music is like such a thing for me. Mm. And so, because it, it is like the time I can most reliably turn my brain off. Mm. Um, cause it, it's such like a, it's, I mean, like a, you know, going to a show is so visceral and so like your body is involved. Whereas like, and it's so outside of anything that I do or am good at so like when i'm at a movie sometimes it is great and i can get immersed but i'm also like cutting it oh this like kind of has some third act problem like i get like i i like (laughs) it's find it harder to turn off work brain but like if i'm at a show i'm just like this is fucking awesome right 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 right. (laughs) you can get swept up in it more yeah and just like have that it, it like fully immerse myself in the joy even even under like weird circumstances right. like a couple of years ago I saw Wu-Tang at Terminal 5 okay and we were it was smashed full Must like it was be, the yeah. most full I've ever seen a show there and we had to watch like to have any kind of vantage point where you could see and stand we were on the lowest level back in the hallway behind the back bar oh. looking through like you can they have hanging glassware looking under yeah. the hanging glassware i know that's all the way yeah. through yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's the spot. only place we could stand and yeah. i was like this still rules like wu-tang rules this is awesome <laughs> i love this um so that and that kind of stuff like that that kind of thing or like even you know i i think more reliably even than like I'm a big basketball fan and and that kind of stuff, but like doing stuff as a fan and and doing and and like enjoy like enjoying things is so helpful and like that's that's such like facile advice, especially if I like if people are listening to this and are like I have like depression and it's like oh yeah 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 I'm right. not like a mental health professional <laughs> I just mean Go like when you're like <laughs> yeah 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 but like when you're I feel like if you're grumpy or feel like stuck or um have kind of just like a situational thing. I think like being a fan of something and, and like en- enjoying stuff is so, um, and be- and being around people are, are, are like the big things. And again, such like simple, dumb advice, mm-hmm. but I really like, it, it is stuff that I forget to do right. where I'll be like, oh, I haven't like done something for fun in three weeks. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just been like, I've worked and then I've come home and I've gone to sleep or um, you know, I've worked and then I've done like, I, oh, I had this thing to do as a favor for a friend this, you know, that that I had to like go do something like quasi-professional right. or like, but going to like support my friends and, and go to see bands that I love or like, it's so, that specifically seeing, seeing live music is like, I'm out of my own head a little bit. I'm just like enjoying an art form that I have no aptitude for or like right. I, I have never attempted to like yeah. do at a professional level. And it's just like such a... um the experience it's like a physical experience yeah so what what have you been doing like this year when those things have been taken away from you has it sort of turned a little more you know philosophical as a result it's been it's been tough i mean like fortunately i'm here at home with my wife and so i've done a lot of like 
cooking and like a little baking and that kind of stuff that's like I'm doing something physical I'm staying off the internet because my hands are busy I'm listening to a podcast um and then we're like enjoying a meal together that like I made that's like that kind of stuff just like the the real simplicity of it and and is so grounding to be like oh thank goodness I'm here home with like my favorite person and we get to we're like taking this this like a horrible global time and, and the the like soothing part of it is that we get to be together and like together in for an expensive time that we've like never spent this much time together before <laughs> right i don't think any two people do yeah just like a year in three rooms total yeah. and you can't go anywhere yeah brad's in brad's in three rooms with two extra ones right yeah i got two kids in a oh my gosh in a thousand square foot apartment. Wow, wow, wow. What's your trick, Brad, for being an optimist? It's uh, alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also the other the other thing is like having make like stuff like this, like doing a even doing my podcast, doing doing friends podcasts, it has been so uh psychologically beneficial because it is like, you know, it's like a professional thing, obviously. And like the people who like I work really hard on my show you work really hard to make your show, but it's also, there's like a, a level at which it is social and mm-hmm. like, I'm having a conversation that's outside of like, um, man, uh, I fucking wish I could visit my parents or what, you know what I mean? Right. And just like, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but in a way that's not just like me being like, this, this sucks. Like I would just text a friend <laughs> and be like, I'm cranky. This sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I do, I like that stuff has been, has made me feel really connected, like getting to, to like just goof around and like, and talk a little trash with friends for like an hour or two is so, um, enormously uh, uplifting to my mood. That's awesome. It's a fun show. I think it's a perfect pandemic show to listen to. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun listening to this. Can we have like a Zach Lowe appreciation 60 seconds? Cause I just want (laughs) to hang out with that guy. Am I the only one? He seems, Zach rules. Yeah. He's like, he's seems, exact low I'm fan. like, I'm like, usually I have an issue being such a big sports fan sometimes, which is I usually am not hearing anybody like me talk. You know, yep. they're either from the just super nerdy camp or super jockey camp, you yep. know, and I, I kind of have a hard time relating. And Zach, I'm listening to, I'm like, ah, oh, this is like a guy to actually hang out with. He seems reasonable, you know? I, I assume you're a Celtics yes. fan. I am a big Celtics fan, um, which I think he has said that he grew up as a Celtics fan. So, yeah. so he has some like Celtics sympathies. Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love, I think that there's like a whole new wave of yeah. people who are like covering sports in a real sincere and thoughtful way um, that are like, that that are like enjoying sports and also thinking about them in, in like a thoughtful way and also not just doing the like hot take right. old guy of like yeah. he's not trying hard enough ship his bum ass out of town yeah, right, like right, that right. kind of stuff he's and it's I, I think that's wonderful and like so many like women who are like sports writers right. and podcasters and in like a way that is like oh this is so cool there's just such like a breadth of voice and perspective and engagement and uh it's become and, more new is like right so much more nuance and, and, and in a way that's like you're not just hearing the same arguments rehashed right. that i felt like i was hearing for the first like 20 years of my life well it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned that and i you know quickly i i've seen the same thing as you where there's some 
personalities coming out of that world that feel like they have a lot more depth to me. But on my first thought, I'm like, oh, maybe this is a fallout of the fact of, you know, post Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James sports world is inherently political and nuanced now. And just your blockheaded jock type, you know, may, may not have a, enough depth to even go into that stuff. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I think there's still like, unfortunately an appeal to people like you got to stand for the anthem or else you, you hate cops and you hate America and you hate Eagles and you hate football or like, you know what I mean? Like that, (laughs) that's just like so tiresome to me, but I think some people still will listen to those guys, but like, it's so cool to like Mina, who's also, who I also had on my show. She's great. It's just like, so smart and so funny and like and it's cool that not everybody is like a, like a 55 year old white dude who's had a newspaper column for 30 years yeah, right. and <laughs> it's just like okay trotting out like why you should run out the uh, ground ball even if you know you're gonna be out and it's like <laughs> do you hear about some of those fun little rules they're putting in in the minors this year no we got uh in in double a they're trying where you're allowed to shift, but an infielder is not allowed to touch the outfield grass. Oh, interesting. Um, so, you know, to allow the middle of the field. So not everyone's trying to yeah. get home runs again. There's another one in single A where they increase the size of the base by a small margin, assuming that that's going to help with stolen bases. Um, interesting. The, I'm into that. The 15 second pitch clock. That some of them are yep. doing, which I'm all for. Yep. I like this stuff. Do you like this stuff? Me too. I I like I like um, tweaking little things to make it a more enjoyable experience. I'm not a super like um, tradition based person, especially like when it makes the game right. more fun and more exciting. Like I don't, you know, I was joking. My friend um, Hannah Kaiser writes about baseball for Yahoo, and she has a show called The Bandwagon. And I pitched to her. She was like, she was working on this. Uh, series about like one big rule to like having people come on. She was going to have me come on and pitch just like what I would do to fix baseball. And mine was you can accrue as many outs until you're like in, in a live play, you can keep accruing outs that cross over to the next inning. So like if you strike someone out and someone's trying to steal second, you can get a fourth out on a strike them out, throw them out. And that carries over to the next inning. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, you know, like long division (laughs) just carries over. (laughs) You got to adapt. Where would the NBA be without the three point shot? You know, you got to do this. I know. Well, then there's people that like my, I talked to my dad who's like, who's like, I don't like how many three pointers they take. He, He finds that like aesthetically displeasing which i i, I do agree. get when you see every team and especially on a night where a team is shooting 53s and hitting 15 right it's just like it's it can get pretty ugly i agree i think uh i think basketball there's there's something coming in the next year or two to bigger court make a bigger, bigger court. court the guys are bigger you know look how much bigger, bigger they are yeah, than but, they were but you know like, what you know 50 years but ago what could happen with a bigger court is what these newer players are showing you, they, they have unlimited range. And part of yeah. the reason scoring is so insane is because guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard can regularly hit at a high volume and a high clip. 35, 30. 40 feet. So this stretches yeah. the defense where no one can defend anyone mm-hmm. anymore. So if you make it even bigger, I, I th- it might, might even make it worse. So not to get too wonky about it, but I like watching the... I don't 
love all the Celtics players' shot selection. I feel like contested two-pointers are tough, but I do think there there's going to be a I think my hope is that we get a little swing towards um like mid-range like 12 to 15 foot finding those seams in a defense and like pulling up from there because it's a slightly lower percentage shot. But when you're shooting it well, I forget who said it. I don't know if it was Steve Kerr mm. was like, we we don't avoid those shots. Like like the the Houston Rockets of a couple of years right. ago, they'd be like None everything at the rim or right. beyond three. You because if you're if they if the defense knows you're going to take a 15 footer sometimes, they have to defend the whole yeah, court right. in a way they don't have to if they don't think you're going to shoot from there. Sure. And I I heard that on uh, in an interview and was like, oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Like of course you you're like making the defense work harder when you're like, oh, these players will pull up from anywhere. <laughs> like Mark is smart should be going to the rim. He shouldn't be yes. trying to pull up over six foot eight guys seven times no. a game as he does. Yeah. No. Agreed. I, but man, I love Marcus Smart. Uh, I'm so glad he's happy. Everybody wants a Marcus Smart. Everybody. We got one. I now. have a Marcus we Smart. We got a Bruce Brown. We have one now. I'm so I happy. I know. Very exciting. Very exciting. It's my new man I have, crush. I have a Smart jersey hanging up behind my desk at the Jesus and Marrow office. Nice. And there's a piece. I have it as my uh, my computer desktop most of the time, but uh, there is a piece that we did where Jesus and Marrow went back to the office to like look at how everything had changed yeah. in the pandemic. Oh, yeah, and Marrow went to set the jersey on fire. Yeah. Well, that one's just unfair. <laughs> I mean, at least Yankees, Red Sox, those guys can get back. Yeah, you can Celtics, talk about Knicks 27 is... rings. You can, you can mm-hmm. actually have a healthy conversation. Knicks versus Celtics. You know, yeah, not, it's not it's not, not a, a um, not a contest historically. <laughs> no, it's not. They had a few years in the '90s, but even then, they didn't get any titles. Yeah, and even then, they were like the weirdest team who just like beat people yeah. up and like weren't even. Yep. <laughs> they were good, but yeah. So I want to find out what are you uh, at home? What kind of music you listening to right now? Any uh, podcasts or books that you quite like that you oh, want to recommend? Okay, let me. Let me do some recommending. I have been, okay, lately, okay, lately with music, Mm -hmm. there have been a few things that I've been really into. Um, At the end of last year, I discovered this rapper from Detroit. I discovered, I like came upon the (laughs) the back catalog of this rapper from Detroit named Boldy James, who put out four records last year, which is like, just like wild output during the pandemic. And the two, my two favorites are, Manger on McNichol. I'm like pulling out my phone to make sure I don't get it wrong. There's one called Big Bad Baldy, and then there's one called Manger on McNichol. Okay, and those are really great. Um, Benny the Butcher, also like in in terms of rap, and then I've I've been going back to listen to a lot of old MF Doom since his passing as well. Um, great. Then recent music, like new new stuff. Um, Julian Baker's new album, uh, Little Oblivions, is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I I am not, like, not every singer-songwriter album grabs, like, even really beautiful, well-beloved ones. I feel like sometimes I like, like, a fuller sound, mm. even in that kind, that genre. Sure. And this just, like, it sounds really, like, big, even when it's spare. I don't know. Maybe mm. I'm saying that wrong. But, like, that's how it feels to me. And then the new Hold Steady album, Open Door Policy. Nice. Uh, I got put on... Um, to Beach Bunny. Okay. And I've been listening to some of them. Their their EP from last year. No, album from last year called Honeymoon. And then that's like a lot of the recent stuff. Cool. Um, 
Yeah, that, it's been a lot of that. And then I've been like going back through to like kind of fill in. Like my friends were teasing me because I'm a big Hold Steady fan, but had never really like gone deep with um uh, Lifter Puller. So I've been like going through their back. It was so cool that they were giving you shit about Lifter Puller. I'd like to have a word with them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, take it easy. But, Whoever you are, take um, it easy. Take, thank you. <laughs> um, and then, and oh, last year, maybe, I mean, the Benny the Butcher record and uh, and Jeff Rosenstock's record last year yeah, were two of my favorites. Jeff's is great. As well as um, Waxahachie's record yeah, last year. that record's Those cool. are 2020. Friend of the program, Jeff yeah. Rosenstock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend of the program, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't use his proper title. Um, so that's that's like, I just threw a lot of stuff up, but that's, that's like the music that I've really been listening to. Um, podcast stuff, always Zach Lowe, yeah. especially when the NBA is in season. Um, Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Ligon just started a new podcast called Spinsters. Oh, cool. That is, it's like re- a really cool new basketball podcast that I'm like really psyched about. Check that out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Big Doughboys fan. I don't know if you've ever listened to them. They they review chain restaurants. Okay. Um, that's really that's fun. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, let me see what else. There's. A, I'm sure I'm missing something like super obvious that I listen to. My wife Maris has a podcast called The Maris Review where she reviews authors. Um, cool. And she, that's great. She's so, so good um, at that. Like just like incredible at that. Yeah, um, I heard that you were reading... Uh, I saw somewhere in an interview that you were reading the books that your wife likes to read to try to like, oh get yeah, to yeah, know yeah. Her, you know, inspiration I've, better. I've, I'm like, she, wow, she gives what a she gives incredible recommendations yeah. to like. I would say some of my favorite books of all time were things that I recommended that she was just like, oh, try this, and I was like, holy shit, how did you know that? Right. Like it just cool. like it felt like there was like a divot in my brain that that book like patched over. <laughs> nice. Um. This yeah, like the sellout by Paul Beatty was one that she recommended and I loved. And um oh gosh. Um The Sisters Brothers by Patrick Duet, mm. uh, which rules like both like really funny and like kind of biting and just terrific. Cool. Um and lately I've read um my friend uh Kelsey McKinney has a book coming out in the summer called God Spare the Girls. And it's like a really beautiful, sad novel about like a controversy in like a Texas megachurch. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah, really lovely, um, really sweet. And then uh, by the time this is out, my friend Jen Spira, who used to write for Colbert, has this like really dark, really funny short story collection called Big Time that's like, that will be out um, as of, I mean, tomorrow as of the recording. And it's like, I was reading it and just like, it like kind of rattled my bones in this oh, way. I'm wow. like, this is so funny and it makes me so sad and I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> I'm like, it's just like, I was like, man, that that is such a, like very George Saundersy. if anybody is like, if people listening are like looking for a frame of reference. Um, Sounds Yeah, effective. so that's like what I've, I would like super recommend it. It's like very weird, cool. very funny. Um, yeah. Well, the, sorry to just like spit out no, a million No, no, that's why I asked that's, you. I'm I'm definitely gonna good. check out any rapper with uh, "Manger" in the title of the album because yeah, that just sounds oh, man. interesting. That album right is like that. it's so dark and like um, I would start with I I keep like looking at my phone because I don't want to. No, I like I, always I say it. things like slightly wrong. It's the modern age. Um, it's why we don't know any phone numbers anymore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, Detroit River Rock is the song, and it's just like it almost feels like a song suite. It just is. It like rules. It's awesome. It's so bleak and like I don't know. It's it's just awesome. I I was like 
when I found, I found one of the albums just like looking on iTunes for like, what's new rap music? Like an old person does. And then I like went, I was like, this guy put out, you know, went and then started looking at reviews and I was like, oh, cool. And they said, this one is the masterpiece. And I was like, all right. right. And, uh, it just is like, I don't know, it very, I was like, where has this guy been? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, why haven't I known about That's this? That's how I find Which comics. is such a, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I listen to an album this, I like and I'm like, all right. What's Apple telling yeah. me that I'll think is funny? Totally. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to think of who, what comics, because it's been like I think a lightish year for albums and stuff. Yeah. Um, I just watched the new Brian Regan special, which was filmed during the pandemic, but at outside at Red Rocks. Oh, okay. What do you think of like Chappelle's body of work he's been doing this year? I man, like it's tricky, right? What, what do you think about that? I don't feel like the authority on the work of Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? I think he is such an incisive and insightful cultural critic when he's talking about race in America. And I think like in some of his other work, he has like some, some blind spots that he choose that he elects to leave as blind spots. And that to me is a bummer because like when he is, on and when he's like like observing keenly and writing to like the full extent of his like Dave Chappelle power yeah. he's like the funniest person and, and just like that his you know the last few years of his work have kind of been shot through with this, like you know just like stuff uh, about trans people that's like such a bummer to hear yeah. I'm just like man I and, and again he's like one of the all-time masters of the form and I don't want to be like, I know better, but it just, as a fan, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like bummed out by it. Like it, 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 it hurts a little bit to hear. Yeah, sure. Um, and he, I mean, like we ran, we ran into him one time at a bar in LA and it was just like one of the most magical, exciting night, kind of like five years ago or something. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, this is so exciting. And like, so I really have this like, incredible long-standing affection for him. So I don't say this as like, I'm some uh, white guy who knows what's best for everybody. (laughs) Uh, And, but I, it is like, you know, some of the recent stuff is like, some of the stuff he does is so bracing and, and thoughtful and like, like uncomfortably funny about, about race. And I'm just like, Oh fuck. I I see myself in that in a way I don't like, and he's so good. And then, I think some of the the other stuff that you know about like gender and stuff, I'm just like, man, I like if this if you either just like let this slide yeah. or were as thoughtful about this as you were about some of the other stuff, right. it would just be like an an unblemished yeah. catalog of work. The double down was strange, right? It was like yeah, I, and, like anybody could accept the fact that you maybe willingly went into something with a you know, the wrong set of knowledge or, you know, the, sure. the wrong attitude. And if he came out, like you said, either let it go or, yep. you know. Or was like, oh, you know what? Like, I don't think there's, I, I think like being a comedian, and this is me talking about me sure. more than like me being prescriptive for Dave Chappelle. But like, I think being a comedian, sometimes you you say stuff that's that's like off key in a way you don't realize right. and people say it and you go, and and to me, the thing to do is to be like, oh, oh, right. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that it was that that what I said was something that was like uncaring yeah, or hurtful, right. and that was that was wrong of me to say. Sure. Uh, or like, I will do better in the future. I'll do I'll do things differently in the future. Um, 
And I think like, you know, there are times where I want to like double down on a joke, but it's usually not for those reasons. Normally it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) I, I made fun of Mr. Bean on Twitter and people yelled at me for like two days. And I was just like, absolutely. I will not recant my joke about Mr. Bean. What does Atkinson (laughs) files got you? It was huge Atkinson fans. That was the problem was that I referred to him as Mr. Bean and like made some dismissive comment about like, Oh, you want to hear what Mr. Bean says about this? Have you never seen rat race? People were like, uh, actually, Blackadder is one of the greatest histories, uh, greatest sitcoms in the history of British television. And I was like, cool, out of the eight sitcoms you have, this was one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just like really shitting on British comedy fans. Oh, man. What, what do you do if the next time you're, you go to England, like Rowan Atkinson is at the show and he's like, what's up, Josh? <laughs> kind of gives you a little bit. You get into it I, with him? I was... I'll get into it with him. I also, I'll probably apologize, but I, because I wasn't even anti-bean. People would be like, oh, you don't, I was like, look, I just don't know. Like, why would you expect that I've seen your favorite show from 35 years ago? You know what I mean? It's like, I was just so mad at people. I was like, leave Rowan Atkinson out of this. I truly, like, if what you say is he's great, sure. But like, why do you expect me to know? Like all of his bits were like, things that my dad grew up quoting. It was like, nobody nobody in my house in 1991 when the show was on was watching sitcoms on PBS. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't get BBC yet, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. Man. But it was like that kind of stuff where I, I, I feel like it is so, especially as a comic when you're like, no, but what I said was funny. But like, I think sometimes you have to like, it's hard to parse out the the real incisive critique that's hard to hear from the stuff that's just like some dummy on Twitter right. being like, uh, actually, um, the rock is, is, is not seven feet tall. And you're like, yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke right? <laughs> and it's uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think like I try to be, I try to like have a filter, an intake filter, not mm-hmm. like an outgoing filter necessary. I mean that too, but like an intake filter for like what's, what's critique that's like someone being like oh this is this is something that you might want to know because the thing that you said is hurtful in a way you might not have intended or maybe did but like i want you to hear the impact of that right. versus like uh fact check good sir <laughs> <laughs> i think you nailed the twitter accent that's it that is the twitter accent <laughs> perfect voice of twitter all right man josh that was awesome thank you so much this was so much fun thanks for having me Thanks, Josh. Yowza. That was great. Brad, sorry for the... Uh, listen, he's a sports fan. I had to get into it. I know. You know? It's fine. It's okay. It was It was good. You, you know what you don't want to be, Brad? You don't want to be Mr. IPA no sports guy. Like, it's, I don't mi- <laughs> it's a bad look. I don't you know? mind the sports talk. I um, I don't mind it. it just, just I don't want it to go on for too long. <laughs> I mean, you talk a lot of shit for someone who doesn't mind. It's it. another show. Don't you have that show? What show? Don't you have a sports talk show? <laughs> I do. I do. So you want me to save it all for there and keep it no, out of no, here? No, no, no. no. Right, I wouldn't. Right. I would never. I would never try to restrain you. Oh, thank you. But let's prop our uh, our Silk City hot sauce um, sponsor right now because yes, it's a good product for one thing. Guess who just used it this morning on his eggs? Oh. This guy. 
I did a po' boy yesterday that I used the one of yeah. the sweeter versions. Like it, it's one of the fruity versions. Uh, uh, like the mango or something. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think that's what it was. really good. What we're talking about is a company called Silk City Hot Sauce who's helping the program going off track. And currently, if you go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use the promo code G-O-T, you get 15% off and a free bottle of hot sauce and a bunch of stickers and cool stuff like that. Um, we like this company because it is a small company, not owned by the man. They're growing <laughs> locally owned peppers, uh, right. locally grown peppers, all natural ingredients, no funny stuff, no fillers. It's just like good product stuff. I'm actually allowed to bring into my uh, organic household and not get yelled at, you know? Yeah. And they've got, they've all the flavors have really cool artwork that's done by um, like working comic artists. Yeah. So it's artwork. You can put it up on your counter and, and show it off. I mean, art meets food, you know, like art meets food in a good way. That's, yeah. That's the best. It's, it's, this isn't some art school student laying out at their, you know, senior thesis covering themselves in meat, which is usually how art meets food, you know? <laughs> so did you see that in art school by any chance? Oh, I saw a lot of stuff. I did see uses of meat in art for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's always strange uses of meat. Well, speaking of that, too, Josh Gondelman loves roast beef. Oh, God. Does he ever? I I haven't eaten roast beef in 25 years, but I kind of wanted one of those sandwiches. I got to be honest. You were kind of out of that conversation, weren't you? I was describing a Philly cheesesteak to my son the other day and thinking Mm. like, it's been a long time since I had one of those. That'd be nice. Swing by here on your way to Philly. I might have to do it. It's an ugly, ugly Um, thing. No, but I I appreciate, listen, I'm not that kind of vegetarian. I actually just finished a conversation with somebody uh, where I recently have come to grips with the fact that maybe killing deer is okay. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm the only vegetarian. Because listen, this is what I've been told. The longer you stay out there in the sticks, the more you're going to feel. I know. It happened that. really quick, actually. And where- the next time you... Pull a tick off one of your kids, you're going to be like, right, shoot them all. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing that really, and I'd love to hear people's opinions on this because I'm super fresh into this like fundamental research. But at first I was super offended by the idea of these deer hunts. You know, it seemed like, like what's happening is just hunting militias going out there and just like murdering deer. Like, what are they doing with it? And then, you know, I read some information about what the deer are doing in the forest I can understand their impetus. So I go and I'm like, all right, what's like the hippie method to taking care of this? Like what's the safer, you know, healthier method for deer? And apparently the alternative is shooting them with like a hormone or a uh, oh, yeah. estrogen that prevents them from having little baby deer for three right. years. Right. And, you know, yeah, I'm vegetarian, but I'm also a, a human on this earth who believes in the cycles that, that happen around me. And shooting another animal with something that doesn't let him have babies for three years feels maybe a little more unnatural than someone killing it and using it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like as far as like the concept of like an earthly circle goes, 
You know, it seems like it makes a little more sense, maybe. So I would love to hear more opinions because I'm super fresh into this topic. And I would love if there is, uh, I don't know, some more info on it. I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> but I get it. The point is, I get it now. And I'm not offended by someone who eats roast beef. I actually can recall really well working at delis and having to open up a new roast beef and all the blood pours out of it. Yeah, it's it's the the gnarliest of the deli meats to work with. Yeah. So if you're a vegetarian working at a deli and you've handled roast beef, you know what's up. (laughs) Really interesting stuff. This is gripping. (laughs) If you want to catch up with uh, Josh, and you definitely absolutely should if you didn't figure that out from this fucking show. Yeah. He's at Josh Gondelman on our socials. His Make My Day podcast is really good. I, I've yeah. been listening to it. I love it. And honestly, if you're not onto the Days of Sin Marrow fucking tip yet, then like, yeah, I don't nice. know where you've been because yeah. that's the funniest shit there is right now. It's really fucking good. <laughs> it really is. I want to hang out with those guys. Oh, totally. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Like, my wife was pointing out the thing about, she's like, I think I know, do I know these guys from Max yeah. Fish? Right, right, Like, right. or one of mm-hmm. them used to hang there. And, like, I was like, probably, but it's just, they just seem like those guys that you know. I've seen literally half a dozen Brooklyn bartenders that look like Dizus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're always <laughs> so cool. Like, they're always yeah, so yeah. cool to chill and have a beer with. Check out all of Josh's stuff. I mean, he's got a book out and he's like, you know, he, there's nothing but content for that guy. Oh, he's and, prolific. Uh, we got books, yeah. podcasts, writing, stand-up, albums, prolific, yeah. prolific guy. And yeah, and well, does it all without being pissed off, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Which is that's like, pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a refreshing I mean, attitude. It really is. It's really nice to see these days. And anybody known as the the nicest man in something you gotta, you gotta put in some legwork to get a title like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sure he's been fucking nice to a lot of people. (laughs) Well, he was nice to us. Thanks. was nice to us. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for coming on. Uh, really enjoyed this talk and I'm sorry if I overstep my bounds. I really am. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I'll, I'll, it'll come with a mitzvah eventually. That one was for us, not you, Brad. <laughs> Keep in touch with us at goingofftrack.com, at goingofftrack on the socials. Uh, if you want to support us for real, patreon.com slash goingofftrack. Lots of incentives there. Go check it out. I'm not going to dish them all out here, but uh, check it out. And yeah. um, we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much.